Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's 9.30 in 716. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazarowski. Outside right now, clear skies looking pretty nice. 64 degrees. Might expect some thunderstorms a little bit later on, though. We'll be checking in with Aaron later this hour. An anxious Wall Street awaits the markets to open today as the Federal Reserve mulls another interest rate increase to cool off an overheated economy. There's hope making it more expensive to borrow money should stop prices from rising. Americans paid 8.3% more for goods in August compared to a year ago. But in some areas, it's even worse, like in Phoenix, where prices are up a whopping 13% in the last year. I got milk at $5 for a half gallon. So will today's expected interest rate hike provide any relief for your wallet? As they say, monetary policy works with a long lag. So it'll take a little bit of time, but it will show up. The economy will slow. Alex Prochet, ABC News, Washington. We'll be talking much more about the economy. Live guests throughout the morning on what that Fed expected, Fed interest rate hike, what the impact will be. Back here in Buffalo, demolition of the Great Northern Grain Elevator, putting more focus on the city's role in maintaining older and historic properties in Buffalo. The Common Council took action yesterday on the Cobblestone District. Here's WBEN's Max Ferry. The Buffalo Common Council voted in favor Tuesday afternoon to start the eminent domain process of 110 and 118 South Park Avenue, historical buildings in the historical Cobblestone District. Owner of the properties, Daryl Carr, now has 90 days to reach out to the city of Buffalo or they will move on to the next step of the eminent domain process, scheduling a public hearing. Councilman Nowakowski says it's time to hold this landlord accountable. The Cobblestone District is a local historic district that was landmarked uh, as a historic district since the mid-1990s, and we're seeing growth and revitalization, and a lot of folks putting uh, investment into the Cobblestone besides one negligent landlord who has allowed buildings to crumble for over 12 years. What's next after the 90 days and the hearing? After that time of public hearing, that's when the City of Buffalo and the Common Council can make a determination um, whether they uh, to acquire the, the, the properties by eminent domain. Um, but as for the how much this would cost, just looking forward, uh, we've been talking and they would get the, the owner would get the appraised value of the property. More details can be found on our website, maxferrywben.com news. Thanks, Max. The Buffalo News moving its headquarters to Larkinville as owner Lee Enterprises is selling its current five-story headquarters on Washington and Scott Streets to Uniland Development. It's another example of an office needing to downsize after COVID changed the workplace. 
WBEN's Brayton Wilson takes a look into what that means for the future of those properties in western New York. While the plans for the building's future are unknown at this time, the news is reporting that Uniland intends to reuse the structure instead of demolishing it. This move for the Buffalo News is perhaps just another sign of the changing times, not just in the region, but also across the country with bigger companies downsizing locations. However, this is not necessarily a direct result of workforces cutting more jobs. I think what we're seeing is a shift in how offices operate going forward. You have some offices that can have workers work remotely. Some are taking advantage of what's called hoteling space where you would reserve a room or an office so that your employees can come in a couple times a week or a couple times a month. That's A.J. Baines, president and CEO of the Amherst Chamber of Commerce. However, Baines says that what he's actually noticed in Amherst is some of the many office parks in the area are starting to come back to life. Elsewhere, though, other commercial real estate experts are seeing a problem when it comes to office space becoming more and more available with less occupants. Jim Knight from Hanna Commercial Real Estate believes there's only one way of counteracting the increasing office space numbers, and that's figuring out alternative ways of using the building. Certainly we're seeing some of that in conversion from office space. You know, Doug Jamal's great project down at One Town Center there. And there's other examples. Paladino has been involved with certainly projects where buildings have been taken from their current use, whether it be manufacturing or office, and they've been converted to apartments and or condo and that type of thing. So I think that's the only way to counteract this problem in the mid to short term, that's for sure. More on the future of commercial real estate is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. We'll be talking about that today. Interesting to think about what uh, these big office spaces are going to do if there's no longer any workers there to occupy them. On the bill's front, Dr. Laszlo Metchler, Dent Neurologic Institute, of course, one of the many watching the bill's game Monday night. Dane Jackson taking that hit, snapping his head back. Scary situation as an ambulance hit the field. We spoke with him yesterday. My initial concern was a spinal cord injury. But when he's moving both legs and arms, uh, that's prognostically a very good sign. And he told me that he probably had a bad whiplash injury to the neck. Obviously, you need to do x-rays or even a CAT scan. Uh, but I've been told that um, uh, that after evaluation he was discharged, which tells me that he just had a really bad whiplash injury to his neck. And he called Jackson very lucky to uh, just have that. Jackson tweeting yesterday thanking fans for their support, saying Bill's Mafia is the best in the world. Sean McDermott talking about Jackson. We'll be hearing a little bit more from him, uh, Jackson. Some of the other injuries, there were quite a few of them Monday night, uh, in just about five minutes. Bill's offensive lineman, Bobby Hart, has been suspended for one game for unsportsmanlike conduct following the Bills' win against the Titans for taking a swing at a Titans player but instead striking a Tennessee coach in the head near the tunnel following the game. Hart will be eligible to return to the active roster September 26th after the Miami game. The donation window has closed for the 514 Survivors Fund over the past four months. $5,539,000 raised to support victims' families and others directly impacted by the mass shooting at Tops on Jefferson Avenue May 14th. Next month, those funds will begin to be distributed to the people who have applied that application process opening up uh, in the past couple of weeks. The Associated Press is now reporting that Canada will likely drop the vaccine requirement for people to enter that country by the end of September. It's not immediately known whether the U.S. will make a similar move by September 30th. 
Unvaccinated travelers who are allowed to enter Canada, which applies mostly to Canadian citizens, are currently subject to mandatory arrival tests and a 14-day quarantine. Here's immigration attorney Jamie Fiegel on her understanding of the situation. The orders in council is up as of September 30th. And the talk of town, the, the rumor and what, whatever's circulating here is that and the end of this orders in council, they want to end the vaccine mandate for international travelers. They want to end the testing requirement, which is that random testing. And then if those go away, that would lead to then we do not need a ride can anymore because it will not be utilized as a vaccine screening tool. So in essence, things go back to really close to normal. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau needs to give a final sign off on it, but the government will likely be dropping the requirement as well as ending random COVID testing at airports. Filling out information in the Arrive Can app will also no longer be required. How about this fraud charges for a Minnesota nonprofit accused of faking needy children to pocket millions in federal funds from pandemic relief? The accused mastermind feeding our future CEO, Amy Bach. She, along with more than four dozen others, served with indictments in the alleged $250 million scheme. The indictments allege Bach and 46 other defendants filled out fraudulent reimbursement forms, claiming they were feeding needy children. They're accused of falsifying meal count sheets and invoices for purchased food, claiming to serve meals to thousands of kids. But all the while, authorities say the suspects were pocketing the cash, nearly a quarter of a billion dollars, the largest pandemic relief fraud scheme to date. Wow, what, uh, that's a ton of money, wow. $250 million. Andrea Fujii there reporting. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Clouds on the increase with showers and storms developing later today. Breezy and warm with highs near 80 degrees. Tonight, scattered showers and thunder showers. Overnight lows in the mid-50s. On Thursday, scattered showers. Highs in the mid to upper 50s. On Friday, partly cloudy skies with high temperatures still in the 50s. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Jeff Boron joining us from Send Your Kids to college. We've been talking about student loan forgiveness for some time now. But this morning, Jeff, we're as we're waiting to hear anything official on that, we're also wondering about borrowers who were making payments during the pandemic, and now they're wondering if they can get a refund. What do you know about this? So if you were making payments during uh, the pause, which started in March of 2020, uh, you can request a refund from your student loan servicer, and uh, they're available if you go to your portal, your uh, studentaid.gov portal, and request a refund. You'll get the check back for those payments. Of course, the loan balance will increase uh, to reflect as if you had never made those payments, and then you can apply for forgiveness. So who this is really gonna help is, uh, an example is you had $10,000 of outstanding loans, uh, you made $5,000 of payments during the pandemic, reducing the balance to 5000 You can have that 5000 added back, and then when the forgiveness program is officially out there, you can request the full $10,000 to be forgiven. Does this also apply to people who paid off their loan in full? If you don't have a balance remaining, would you have to go through the same process, and could you do the same thing? 
Yes, you could go through the same process again. The first step is you're going to be dealing with that service provider. The government has, uh, you know, several of them that they use. Uh, Mozilla is one of the, the big ones out there. Nelnet's another one. You'll work with them directly to request that refund. Um, and from what I understand, it's it's going to take, you know, two to three weeks to get that refund once you request it. So, you know, if you're going to be eligible for this program, you probably want to start looking at doing that in the near future. Now, the program itself, the forgiveness program, is not officially rolled out yet. It's not on the website. People can sign up on ed.gov, and they'll get an email when it's up and, and ready for people. Jeff, will this be automatic for some who have made those payments, as you mentioned, and want that refund, or does the borrower have to take action on their own? As far as what I know, the borrower is going to have to take action. They will not process an automatic refund uh, for those payments made during the pandemic pause. So the borrower is going to have to initiate that uh, in order to make it happen. For you mentioned the um, the full details aren't quite out yet of this program, and then there's a lot of people wondering if this is going to happen quite at all. Um, you know, over the weekend, the president said uh, the pandemic is over as far as he's concerned, and it doesn't seem too relative. But the emergency authority that he has because of the pandemic and the emergency authority that was used to forgive a lot of this alone is kind of contingent on the pandemic itself. I Should people be confident that this is actually going to take place? Well, you know, it, that's it's interesting you mentioned that because there, there was a faction really trying to fight uh, this whole program saying the president didn't have the authority to uh, to make such a, a, a sweeping loan forgiveness uh, and he couldn't act on it you know through his executive orders and the White House basically said oh, well we're going to use our our powers that were granted during the pandemic and now of course he went on 60 minutes and said this, the pandemic's over so uh, I wouldn't count your chickens before they're hatched uh, the latest odds that I've seen is there's a 20 percent chance uh, that this may either be canceled or at least delayed. Uh, there are some actions being filed uh, legally uh, trying to block this from happening. So that being said, if you fit under the categories that we were talking about earlier, you paid back some or all of that loan during the payment pause period of the pandemic, would it be a risk at all? Are you taking a chance, so to speak, in requesting those payments back in order for them to be forgiven? Well, you know, you're going to get the check back and then you're going to find out that uh, hopefully you're not going to find out that the program is canceled. Uh, You'd have to, you know, I guess I would say don't go spend that money (laughs) before we know what's going on because you might have to you might have to put it right back on your loan if that's if, if that's the intent. It sounds like good advice. Um, Are you getting inundated with calls about this? Are people confused? 
Uh, not as much. I, I think it's going to start when the program officially rolls out. And uh, the latest word, it was supposed to be beginning of October. Now they're saying by middle of October, they're going to have the program rolled out. Uh, there's still nothing concrete out there as far as uh, the application process, what the application looks like, uh, what you have to do to prove income. They're using two years for income, 2020 or 2021. And the latest I've read is you can use either or. So let's say you didn't make the income requirement of $125,000. You made over that so you don't qualify. Uh, you can use the alternate year. Uh, but those details are not finalized yet. This is all based on the draft of this program. Uh, how much time are you expected to have between when the information comes out, when we learn a little bit more, to when the deadline is to make sure all your ducks are in a row so that you can take advantage? Well, I haven't seen an official deadline. I did see one saying it was going to be December 31st of 2022. Then I saw another one saying December 31st of 2023. But to be practical about it, um, the pause on student loan payments ends December 31st. So what most of the experts are saying is try to get this in by November 15th. It's going to take four to six weeks to process. Your loan will be stated properly by the time the payment pause ends. And then in January, um, you know, either your loan's forgiven or you might have a small balance and they will recalculate your payments uh, based on the new smaller balance. So uh, most people are saying, Try to get this in by November 15th. All right. I think I've heard you say this before. You can sign up just for notifications on all of this at, uh, I think it's edu.gov? Just ed.gov. ed.gov. All right. And uh, people can get the, the very latest as this continues to sort itself out. Any other advice, Jeff? Well, I guess the, the, the advice I always say is, uh, number one, uh, do your college planning up front, which is really what we help people do to do so that you don't end up with large loan balances. And the second piece of advice is based on the controversy this program has, I wouldn't do your college planning based on the hope of future forgiveness programs. Um, this might be a one and done. We'll keep that in mind. Hey, thanks so much uh, for all the help, and I'm sure we'll have more questions as this uh, starts to open up a little bit more. We get more info. Jeff, thank you. Jeff Boron with SendYourKidsToCollege.com. That's SendYourKidsToCollege.com with advice how to take advantage of these programs. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.